Okay, well, uh, hello, and uh, we're, we're here for hello. another... Hello. <laughs> Very formal today. Greetings. Here for another episode of uh, Maitland Presbyterian's Church, Church Chat. Chat. Oh, we said it at the same time. It's like we planned it. So today's Church Chat and the next couple of podcasts will actually have real guests coming back. I will be talking to Tracy Chiracco and to Scott Maxwell. So we're really excited to have them on the podcast. But today we have a returning guest who is pretty famous uh, in the church world, uh, Carrie Newhoff. Welcome, Carrie. Welcome. Hey, thank you, eh? <laughs> oh, no, that, that was, is he's he from can- Australia? No, he's Canadian. So I put A, but I ended up, I can only do like one accent. So, <laughs> so it's all the same. Sorry. Maybe. Hey, anyway, maybe uh, no. <laughs> so Carrie is a, 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 a pastor and a thinker and a church guru, kind of. Yeah. That we, we really like his stuff. He has a great blog. And so he wasn't on the podcast before either, but we read his stuff. And so he's our podcast guest. It's like he's a guest. It's, it's like, like he's every, here. It's like when you read a book and you love it. And it's like the author is just right there in your room. That's right. You know, so welcome, Carrie. So welcome, Carrie. And we we landed on this particular article because we've realized uh, this is the time of year when we start to really lose motivation to make any progress. Yes. Yeah, summer in Florida is... Uh, it's hot. It's yes. hard to do things. You know, it is hard. It's like, well, we had the same situation when we lived up north in the winter. Like, in the winter, like, but it was more okay. I feel like in Ohio, everyone kind of knew in February, you don't plan anything. Yeah, you just... Like, you're just getting through the basics, and the rest of the time you go inside and stay warm and, like, read a book, get under a blanket, watch a movie. No one expects anything of you. kind of reminds right. me when we first moved from Florida to New Jersey to go to a seminary. Yeah. We went up for summer Greek. You remember. You were there. But they might not know. Um, <laughs> so we moved up in for, like, late May, early June, right? Uh, yeah, we started in July. Oh. Really? Yeah. Okay. You would know. <laughs> and uh, we, it was really weird for us because we got there as Floridians and we were just like flabbergasted that all of our neighbors were just outside for the whole summer. We were like, you right. don't go outside we're like, in why the are you outside? We were inside, blinds closed, watching TV. So we ended up missing like a whole year of outside time yeah. because then we missed the good outside time. And then winter came, which came in october and i was out you know wearing my warmest thing to walk the dogs while the guy next to me at the golf course is in a polo shirt (laughs) and pointed at me and left Um, that's new jersey yeah yeah but uh, we learned that year that like up north you're outside all year except for the winter and then you go in like you spend all summer outside because you got to soak it up mm -hmm. um but so yeah here in florida though i feel like there's sort of an expectation that you keep functioning even though it took me like I felt like it took five minutes to get from the car to the church building today Yeah, because you're just moving in slow motion because it's, it's actually almost 100 degrees today. I think the real hard part with summer, though, is that we, you and I uh, love the summer. We, we do. Love we love being to outside, swim. loving the pool. Yeah. But it's so hot right now that we have to keep our blinds, our, our curtains closed yeah. to keep the air conditioning because, you know, you can only keep it 20 degrees cooler right. than and what, our, what is our outside. Right, and our house is like original windows and a leaky roof and an old air conditioner. So yeah, it's like at best we're going to get 15 degrees below yeah. what the outside temp is. So we can't even see how beautiful it is outside because yeah. we're trying to stay stay cool. It so, makes us feel like old people. Like, you know, just like all our curtains are pulled and the house is dark and we're like, is this just depressing? So it makes it, it doesn't <laughs> Why make... is that? It, it does like, you know, every time I go to visit someone who's, who's older. older, it's always like a really warm house and all the curtains are drawn and it's so hard to stay awake. 
it is hard to stay awake. So that's what we're up against now. Yeah. Like, you wake up in the morning and it's like, well, we got to pull out the curtains, you know, make sure they stay shut because it's hot. And you know what we need is, is like one of those little radio effects that maybe Antoine can find where it goes, first world problems. Yeah, I know. that's definitely what we're talking about right we're now. Pathetic. Would that be a good one or should it be like lower, like first world problems? <laughs> I don't think we need an effect. I think you can just cover I it. I am the effects. You are the effects. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we were struggling with today is feeling like less motivated because it's just so hot. So like if you're not in the pool, you should be in the dark watching a movie, but you should not be trying to like drive your car from place to place. And it's like hard. that's comically hard right now. Yeah. Sorry. I'm trying no, to interrupt no, you. go. It's you're also hard it. to uh, talk about. Uh, finding motivation for church in the summer, especially in the south, well, anywhere right. really, because church is just a real slow time. In the uh, summer, in the yeah, summer. because everyone's like, it's too hot. Like, if you're not in the water, you should be at the beach, and if you're not at the beach, you should be in a movie theater. You should not be trying to like get dressed. <laughs> Worship <up>. the Lord who <laughs> well, made you and who sustains you, but it is who hard. redeemed takes... you and will bring all things to perfection. Yeah, hmm. but it, it takes like 20 minutes just to get your car cool enough to even get in it. Sometimes in the summer, so yeah. We understand, but it was actually this week, I have to say, our people really came out. Like, yeah. I was proud of them because it was hot on Sunday and people were here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and a good time for a plug, you know, for our 10 people who are listening. Yes. One service Sunday start in, in July. July. Yeah. So 10 o'clock, bl- bl- the Sunday, what's we call it? The Sunday the blend? The Sunday blend at 10. Sunday blend at 10. So I'm really excited about that. We, uh, you know, contemporary and traditional all melded into one. Which is Dave's, like, favorite thing in the world. My favorite yeah, not especially like when blended, it's a surprise. But like the the hymn and contemporary song when, when it's when together. When how great is our God goes into the chorus of how great thou art. Just thinking about it gives me chills. But gets you every time. It's uh, it's especially fun because like I think Matt knows that I love it, and so sometimes he like like as soon as the song starts, I'm like, is it gonna happen? And so I do, I can't even enjoy the song anymore because I'm like, are they gonna do it? I don't know. So that's what's happening this summer. We're doing Summer Blend, and that way we'll have one service. Everybody's together who made it out into the heat and made it here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we'll um, reward you with donuts. Yes, and we'll just pray really hard that the air conditioning doesn't break. And, you know, why would you say something like that? <laughs> well, we're having donuts except for the week. We had um, One of the men uh, from the men's group here offered had mentioned that he would like their group to host hospitality at some point. Um, so we emailed them about it, hosting like the cookies and donuts after one of the Sundays in July. And it was great because his response, he talked to the men and they came back and said, could you bring up the email? Would it be appropriate um, to read it on I here? It, it would was take such me too a long fantastic to find it. email. It was like, it was something to the effect of we, we cannot, we cannot commit to have the level of like accoutrement, so like decorations that the ladies have. Um, we will commit to cookies and maybe coffee. <laughs> Yeah. And I loved that. I love it. But it felt like a legal contract. It was yeah. like, there will be well, he's a black lawyer. coffee. Yeah. There will not be anything pretty. But I think we're going to like get some old golf clubs and put them on the table or well, like yeah, the that's tools. From our the- director of hospitality, uh, the hospitality committee chair emailed back and was like, maybe they could just like put some of their tools on the tables for decorations. I love that. I thought it was great. I think it's great because not everyone's going to do things the same. That right. would be, honestly, if I did hospitality, if you and I were in charge, it would be like boxes of cookies and maybe coffee. And no napkins. No. Oh, no. Napkins are ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and and no water. Okay. So, yeah. We should get to our point here at some point. No, but... no, no, no. We're going to talk about how okay, you so... refuse to serve water with I food. I refuse to serve it. We, our youngest son comes out for dinner. He's like, okay, I'll get my own water. Would anyone else like some water? Okay, so growing up, 
growing up, mm-hmm. walk with me back Tell me to my story. childhood. Growing up, there were two things in my home that were that were a first world problem. One of them was we had to have like we were not allowed to eat anywhere but the table for sure. Like no food, definitely no food on the couch, no food in the back of the house, only at the table. And you had to have like eight napkins when you ate anything. It could be a cup of water. You had to have like eight napkins. And I think I'm like rebelling against that as an adult by not having napkins. Although now we have cloth napkins that I wash in the laundry, by the way. So let's just really be honest. Um, but why, why no water? The water thing was because growing up, I wanted to help cook and things, but I wasn't allowed to. Like, I think th- my parents thought I'd mess it up. I don't know. Uh, my parents are wonderful, by the way. There was just, they were computer engineers and it was just a very strict home. Um, and so I would want to come in and help cook, but I couldn't. So I always had to put the water on the table. That was like, it was like the scotch tape job of wrapping presents. Like, that was the only thing I you was You mean the most essential thing do. that the, 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 the presents fall apart if you don't have scotch tape? Right. So that was the only thing I was trusted to do is put glasses of water on the table. So now I have this like aversion to it because if you're like, can you put water on the table? It's like you be like in my head. What I hear is you're a big, dumb idiot. And that's all you can be trusted to do. So that's the aversion. You to nailed water. it. That's exactly. No. <laughs> wow. That's so wow. that's so true, though. Like, I, I know I. <laughs> I'm getting. If you're listening, I'm getting the. Uh... I'm putting on my glasses because we're going to talk about Carrie Newhoff. <laughs> well, welcome, Carrie. Good Thanks luck for coming ever on getting the show. a glass of water for me. We could don't be worry. in a desert and you're dying of thirst, and I'll be like, I don't know. I just feel like I can't do it because you think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's our point. Mm. I promise we have one. Well, I feel like we need like some sort of like need to ramp up to this somehow. Okay. Why don't you do some music to connect us? <laughs> I, I'll wait. I, I can't I can't think of anything now. You can't do it on the spot. We need Antoine. Can you put some music in this later? <laughs> All right, okay. he's got it. All right, so we're not feeling the transition here is we're not feeling productive. It's the summer, so the article today is okay. called "Your Stop Doing List: Seven Things to Banish Today to Make Progress." So it's kind of convoluted, but it's what are the things you should stop doing so that you can get things done? Okay, seven things to you stop stop doing. Yes, so in that order you can to- make. To make real progress. progress. Yes. Okay, so what's what's the first thing that is it me or everyone? What or is, do you mean? It, is this particular to church or is this more this like is for, for life? everyone? For this everyone. This is for everything, not just for church. He writes to church leaders, but okay. I feel like there's stuff here for everybody. Okay, so as so it's the first thing that everyone should stop doing to make some progress. Okay, as a leader specifically, but in general. Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. The first one: lead by intentions. Your Points. kids. Uh, so we lead, should stop leading should by stop intentions. You should stop leading by intentions. But wait, here's not being intentional. Intentions. Lead by intentions. Your kids won't remember your intentions. Neither will your spouse oh, nor yeah. your church. The people who count on you only see action. No one's gonna stand next to your casket. He writes <laughs> and says he wished he was nicer. He always hoped to be more strategic. She really wanted to overcome that fear. Legacies don't get built on intentions. They're built on action. Get over your intentions. Start acting. Absolutely. And I think that's important, too, because we get caught in, like, a shame cycle. Like, we'll think, like, oh, I just wish I could be more focused. And so then we beat up on ourselves for not being focused. And then you just get so caught up in, I'm tomorrow I'm going to start being focused. Instead of being like, why don't I just do one thing today? This really relates to me uh, in that I still, you know, I used to struggle with this a lot more but and still do. Uh, the feeling that I need to feel it first and then I can do it. Right. And and the 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 trick for me is like just do it. Doesn't matter how you feel. Yeah, you don't have to wait to be inspired to take out the trash. Like, right. Just take out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> I felt oddly <laughs> pointed. You don't have to wait to be like, do I feel like 
This is my And I'm remembering today. that I was supposed to take the recycling out. <laughs> and... It made it out by me um, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> but truly, I, I think that's true. I feel like that's true for me. I, I, I see that. Like, we, especially if it's something big or hard or that we have some fear about or something that just feels real, instead of doing like, what's the one step I could take today toward this? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to tackle that big thing someday. Yeah. Manana. But people don't see that. Right. Uh, and so intentions are great, but actions are better. Absolutely. Okay. But I, I do think that's different than being intentional. Like you do need to, sl- we need to slow down and be intentional and think through before you just start doing all the things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first one. Okay. Uh, the second one, use words that start with quote, some. If you want to get nothing meaningful done, use a lot of words that start with some, like somebody, someday, sometime, something. For example, somebody should do something about that sometime, someday. Zero will happen ever. Leadership's not just talk. Uh, the only time I use the some word is when I think somehow, which can be an amazing, which uh, somehow can be an amazing word when you're up against an impossible task. How on earth will we do this? I don't know, but we'll figure it out somehow. So instead of some, and I think that's uh, that shows up when you do strategic planning that um, you come mm. up with a strategic plan and like, okay, we need to do all these things. Great. If you stop there and don't go to the next step of who's doing it, right? when are they doing it, um, it'll never get done. It's just a beautiful idea on a whiteboard. But it has to be like, John is in charge of that, and he will do it by next Wednesday. Yes. So take, eliminate, somebody's got to do something right? out of your, your vocabulary. Yeah. And like, who is doing it, and when are they doing it, and specifically, what are they doing? Okay. Um, so I think that's a good one. I like that. So that's if you're like one. feeling stuck today, like how am I going to get this done? Especially if you're a leader to like meet with your team and like, okay, what, do, what, what's the most important thing and who's going to do it and how? I love it. Um, we, we dealt with that when we were trying to staff the nursery. Like mm-hmm. we have constant turnover in the nursery because it's taking care of little children two hours a week. So like it's an yeah. easy job to Not, walk away no from. One's, no one's paying their mortgage. On the $30 <laughs> a week for May the Press. No, no. But we realized it was just like, okay, now we have to hire for the nursery. Someone needs to take care of that. And it's just too vague and it's easy to kick to the bottom of the list so now we have like a system like that this person does this step and this other person does this step and it like triggers a an automatic process which makes it get done yeah yeah to take taking uh what's the kind of reminds me of the the no that's not related i'll save it because maybe something else will apply okay, to keep it in your pocket. Yeah. all right number three Okay, number three, unnecessary meetings. This one's right up your alley. Why don't you talk about how much you hate meetings? Gosh, meetings that could be emails, emails that should be texts, unnecessary meetings. So, although I don't know, I want to hear what he says because I'm. I'm... Okay. Uh, The value of meetings once you get beyond the creative process or meetings to nail down a few logistical details are pretty low. For the most part, meetings are the enemy of work. Far too many leaders waste their lives in meetings. Instead of doing what they're called to do, they meet about what they're supposed to be doing. Dreams can be born in meetings, but far too often dreams die in meetings. Meetings are the enemy of work. Do your work instead. Hmm. Okay. No, I, I totally agree with everything he said. Yeah, we used to at church here, we used to have meetings on Tuesday and the staff meeting was like an hour and a half. And then there was a 30 minute break. And then we had a worship meeting that was like another hour and a half. So like our whole day on Tuesday was like in meetings and recovering from being Mm -hmm. in meetings. Mm -hmm. And we realized we can do a really effective staff meeting in 30 minutes and the worship meeting could be an email. And so like we caught we got a whole day back to actually like write a sermon or do counseling or meet have a meaningful meeting with a member of the team to like brainstorm for an idea 
um, I think that like you have to work really hard to keep a recurrent meetings uh, like sharp. Yes, um, I totally agree with that. I have two, I have two thoughts about yeah, meetings. Talk about meetings. The first is is kind of echoing what you said that it drives me crazy how people and what he said too, uh, how people have a meeting and they feel like they've ac- accomplished something. Right. You know, or they feel like because we talked about it and we came to a decision that reflects how the world is or what's going to work. And it just it makes me just violently angry, um, especially like, you know, yeah. Um, but the what, my, the thing I, I, I have come to value meetings for, okay. re- even recurrent meetings, even when sometimes they feel unnecessary, is here at church for our there, there's certain not everyone works here. Like right. for for you and me and for the staff and for like maybe our our higher like functioning volunteers like meetings might be unnecessary, but for for people where like they're not thinking about this all week, right? So the only time they might think about their ministry is when they come to have that meeting, and so there things get uh, forgotten if you don't come and have that meeting, especially with with these. We have a lot of things that happen because it's in somebody's head. Mm-hmm. And it's not written down. It's not. It's not. It's not been made into like an action, recurring action. So I think some of those unnecessary meetings have to happen to right. get those those uh, that knowledge out of people's heads. I like that. And I think another thing meetings do is build community. And so I think if you're looking to the meeting to be like the time we get stuff done, you might be disappointed. But that often there is a value in the meetings if you're going in intentionally to build a community with people for a specific purpose. Yeah. Um, Like our mission committee meets and they make some decisions, but a lot of it is about bringing together mission leaders in the church to build a sense of community and vision for what we're doing next. Mm -hmm. Um, It's less about like, we're going to get a ton done in this meeting and more about like communication and community. Yeah. Um, So maybe that's a good takeaway is if you're someone who's in a position of being in a lot of meetings and if you have any power there and if you don't, that's just super tough. I've Mm. been there. (laughs) I've been in meetings where I was not the, I don't like being in any meeting where I'm not in charge. Um, But (laughs) meetings, rooms, relationships. Some of us are just born to be leaders. malls, (laughs) airports. I do labor into the solution that I am personally responsible for any space that I'm in. Like, I can't turn it off. Like, one time we were at a theme park and everyone is standing to watch this presentation. Yeah, everybody is standing. I'm like, if we all sat, everyone could sit. And it's like probably at least 2,000 people in this area. But we're kind of close to the front. We're kind of close to the front. But like, you can't sit because then you can't see. But I was like, what if everybody sat? We could all be sitting and it would be so much more comfortable. And everyone could see, even if you were tall or short. So I like, like, I like, started talking to the people around us and being like what if we all sat down like if all of us do it everyone would do it and so i kind of drummed it up i gave a very passionate speech about sitting down the music came in (laughs) and then for a brief moment it started to work like the people in front of me sat down so people behind me sat down we sat down it was like a little wave of sitting Mm -hmm. that i was so excited but then there's just all it takes is one jerk there was some standers who just wouldn't sit down and Mm -hmm. so then everyone stood back up yeah but it was close it was almost the biggest success story of my life (laughs) like it was Uh, so close okay okay so yeah make your meetings uh go if you're in charge of the meeting go in with an idea of what is this meeting about like why are we having it you're not having it just to have a meeting Right. Like yeah. our staff meetings are partly so nothing gets dropped, uh, but partly just so we know, like, how is everyone on our yeah. team? Like, cause yeah. we'd hate to not get to talk about that together. All right. Number four. You ready? Four. Fear. 
Fear is the thief of hope. It kills leadership and it murders courage. I love Mm. that. Way too many leaders I know live in fear. The difference between effective leaders and ineffective leaders is simple. All leaders feel fear. The effective ones push past it. What's the anecdote? Well, I think there are a few. I think the one of the antidotes to fear is the fear of the right thing. If you're going to be afraid, fear this. Be afraid of never accomplishing your mission. Mm. That will give you courage or at least determination and it will grow your faith. Wow. Yeah. So I love that. Like, mm-hmm. not just like, you know, we're not talking about productivity today. Like, there's a lot of bad sides to like, how much did I get done? What we're talking about, like, when you're really trying to accomplish something meaningful, um, what do things get in your way? And yeah, fear. Like, what will people think? Mm-hmm. Um, what if I fail? Yeah. But what if we were afraid instead of not living into, like, the thing we're supposed to do? Absolutely. I think I think at church, especially, we talk about, you know, church meetings and people like, people just really are afraid of failure. They're afraid of, yeah. of, of what people will say if something doesn't work or, and it doesn't have to be right. like everyone saying something. It could be like afraid of like this one person giving a weird look or saying something. And so it really does paralyze yeah. uh, uh, people and that, that, that spreads that, that paralysis from, from fear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What will people say? What if it's not successful? Um, yeah. That sometimes it's easier to just not do something than to do something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's always easier to do nothing. And sometimes it's the right thing to do. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. So yeah, if you're listening and you're like, okay, what if, what what is it? What's the thing that's keeping you? What's the fear that's keeping you from taking the next step on the things that really matter in your life? And, and sometimes that fear is like a, like a compass to tell you like what you should be working on. Yeah. Because like the thing you're maybe most afraid of is the thing that might give you the most uh, most meaning and, and, and might be something God's really calling you to do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Let fear be the compass. That's real good. Thanks. I'm very smart. <laughs> I'm sure right. I read that somewhere. I'm sure I stole that from somebody. Well, it's very good. I am a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five. Oh, this one's too close. Oh, I almost okay. feel like we skip should it. skip it. Skip. No, we're doing it. Are you ready? Don't be afraid. Number five, the desire to be liked. Leadership requires you to take people places that they would not go without your leadership. Stop for a moment, and if you would, reread that sentence. Do you see the challenge? Leadership's inherently difficult because it requires a leader to take people where they don't naturally want to go. So you can focus on leading people or focus on being liked. Hmm. Yikes. Um, I just talked about that on Sunday. If you focus on being liked, you'll never lead. If you will never, you will never have the courage to do what needs to be done. And I think that applies definitely not just in a church setting, but in leadership and really like in your home, in your life. Like, how are you? What are what are you using to make the decisions? Yeah. Are you looking to do the thing that you know the people around you need, or the thing that will make you popular? <laughs> right. And there's no like, there's never been a universally liked decision. No. Yeah. No. And so if the goal is to have everyone like you, like, you can't be a leader. Yeah. Like, think about, like, if you're raising kids, like, you can feed them pizza and they will like you, or you can teach them to like fruit, <laughs> which right. will make them better humans in the long run. Yeah. But yeah, like, no matter at all levels of your life, if you're just doing things to please everybody around you, um, not only will you never actually do the things you know they need, but also you're going to burn out because that's a that's a moving target. Like, there's one right thing usually that you should be doing. But what people like about what you're doing or how they feel about you could depend on how they slept last night. Like, yeah. you can't let that be the metric. Yeah. And and they might really just dislike you. Right. You know, that, that like I was just talking, you know, on Sunday about Jesus with the uh, Pharisees and, uh, yeah. you know, they just generally disliked him. 
And, you know, what I would do in that situation is do anything I could to get them to, to like me. But Jesus not only, like, didn't care they didn't like them, like, he made it worse. Like, right. he, he, he dropped these truth bombs on them that, like, he didn't really have to. You know, like, saying, uh, what was it, the, the Sabbath controversy, he said, you know, the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. Then he goes on and says... So the Lord, the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Like mm -hmm. you could have stopped with the first one. Like that was, that was catchy. Like that yeah. might've changed some minds yeah. and hearts, but then he completely like alienated him with the second one. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the point is that like when people just, you know, so, uh, uh, have just decided not to get it and will never get it. Like it's better to alienate them so that like your people, like, I don't know, maybe it's better to have a common en enemy. I don't know. Right. But, uh, yeah, we, we, being being liked is is a, a real trap it is it, it is a trap a hundred percent um yeah and i think it does it keeps us from doing the right thing i think there's a balance and that it's not going to make you successful personally or in your mission whatever that is for you to like be a jerk about it right like you can't just like walk into rooms and be like here's what we're doing take it or leave it and walk out yeah um that's actually not going to get you where you need to go anyway and that's kind of a defense mechanism people have when they're already afraid right. of rejection they yeah. come in and yeah so you have to be vulnerable and you have to you know yeah find a, a good way to say the, the hard thing but you still have to, yeah. to say it you're and you're not like real leadership does mean like building people consensus with people and doing you know working with them and helping them to see the thing that needs to be done um so i think this is not a like i think that's the the other side of the coin on this like yeah, yeah you shouldn't just do whatever people want you to do so that you'll be well liked that shouldn't be your motivation but you can't also just like go into a room decide what needs to be done walk in whether it's your family or your business or your church and just make pronouncements and then storm out of rooms and be right. like well i said what needed to be done if they do it that's up to them that's like, true absolutely that's not leadership that's um, childish yeah yeah <laughs> that's what kids do like this is how we're playing the game if you don't want to play we're not playing like right. that's not leadership either yeah so maybe it's finding that sweet spot if you're really wanting to do something right now and make a change or lead people in your life um, is to figure out what needs to be done, not worry about how it will be, how it'll make them feel about you, but knowing what's best for them. How will you, how can you help them get there? You know, one thing I, I need to do better is uh, sometimes there's a decision coming up and you know exactly who's not going to like it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I know exactly who's not going to like it. And so I avoid that person. Oh my gosh. You know? Yeah. Or or yeah. I, I so I do that thing like, well, this is it, you know. But the 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 brave thing to do is to like call that person ahead of time. Yeah. And and talk about it ahead of time cool. and really get the, the feedback there and you know, to end with, you know, it's still the decision. But you right. know, but I think I think that's a much that, that takes more I don't know, more leadership, more more bravery. And see, I think I need to get braver about like just when I know what the right decision is, just like just doing that. Like, yeah. I think I get, I do get caught on like, okay, wait, how can we build consensus first? But I can get stuck in consensus building forever Yeah, and never be like, well, we got 80%. So we're ready to move. Like I'm much more comfortable with like 99.8% consensus before we move forward. But I think on you something. only need like 20%. Right. Yeah. But I think I get, I get stuck in, in that place. Um, yeah. and even in, again, in my family system at home, like I'm like, okay, what does everybody else need instead of taking a step back and being like, what do I know that they they need mm -hmm. um because i often might even know better than the people around me like what's best for them at that moment we all count on you to know that uh <laughs>
But I tend to just, yeah, so I think that's, I think that's a good, the combination of fear and being liked and leadership and all of that, I think yeah. is important. Oh, this is good. All, uh, right. all right. Number six, selfishness. So you want to oh. let go of selfishness. Ambition can be a good thing. It's great to have hopes and dreams, but selfish ambition is a different creature. Ambition kills servants of God and turns them into servants of themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's a dangerous thing with like um, social media and you know, it kind of feeds into, again, like wanting to be liked and it's easy to build your brand. <laughs> hey, welcome to our <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, how can you not, um, how do you think that gets in the way for people of getting things done? Selfishness. Well, I, th- I think, it, it, I think and... it connects with the other things as well, that when doing what's best for me and, and, you know, my brand or whatever, like connects with like the fear right. of, you know, this might hurt me. Right. You know, then you just don't do it. Mm-hmm. But there has to, you have to, you know, especially in, in, in church, like we're not here for ourselves. We're right. here for God and for the kingdom. And so uh, it's okay that it might hurt us and might hurt, you know, the way people feel about us. Uh, yeah. I think you can take that too far and be like, I'm not being obedient or I'm not like doing the right thing if it's popular. Right. You know, and so especially in, you know, in church, you know, oh, that church is really successful. They must be watering down the gospel. <laughs> right. You know, so um, it, you can, it can go too far, but. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we talk in church a lot about like the two sides of sin, sin of pride, sin of hiding. And pride is thinking we're better than we are. And hiding is thinking we're not the full people God called us to be. Mm-hmm. And so there's selfishness in both sides of that in leadership. Like on the sin of pride being like, I'm so great. It's about my ambition, my brand. It's all about me. But sin of hiding shows up, too, with leaders when we're like, um, whatever, I know what should be done, but I'm not going to say anything because they won't listen anyway. Or who am I to do this? Or, like, you know, and I think yeah. it could be easy, too, to be selfish and be like, well, I know the right thing, but I'm not going to share that because, you know, they'll figure it out on their own. And mm-hmm. um, that, I think it's especially prevalent with burnout. Like if you're feeling if you're listening to this and you're feeling some burnout in your life, it's really easy to just with 